So for this episode of A Dictionary of Finance from the European Investment Bank, we're talking about de-risking. We brought in, to discuss this, two experts on risk. Very risky people, in fact. People who've uh, done some fairly serious uh, things that have put them at risk just so that they could bring the de-risking to the people on the other end. That will all make sense once you know what de-risking is, and you'll find out what it is from Aglaé Touchard-Ledrillon and Gunther Fischer, who are both investment officers uh, at the EIB, in specifically in the Global Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy Fund, also called GREF. At least I'm going to call it GREF, so I don't have to say Global Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy Fund over and over again throughout this. So, so what have been the most riskier situations that you've found yourself in? Before this podcast, that is. Yes. I'm happy to start, and I think my story will blush away when Aglaé <laughs> starts. Um, yeah, my risky situation is we're traveling a lot in developing countries, and uh, one of the situations I remember, it was just after the major earthquake in Nepal. We were in Kathmandu for a social impact fund with a climate angle, and I was in the hotel, um, actually on a, on a phone call, and suddenly I felt a, a push, basically, um, which happened to be an earthquake. And I never, I'm ca I come from East Germany, one of the places, the least <laughs> risky places potentially on Earth. Um, and I never had experience an earthquake. So um, I thought actually it felt like in a, in a train, you're sitting in a train and, and the wagon is pushed. And then I saw everybody outside running outside and, and taking cover. And it happened to be over then at this point in time as well. But uh, that was one of the risky things I experienced in... Uh, hmm. in but you didn't know what it was at the I time. I didn't know what it was. Only afterwards then I reluctantly went out. It was basically over then. It, it happened in whatever, 10 seconds or so. So really not a lot of, of damage luckily done and, and no people harmed. And so how powerful was it? Did you find out I later I think on? in the end it was a, a four or five point on Richter scale okay. um, um, earthquake. So. It's a respectable Sensible and yes. uh, exactly something the news. feelable. Yes. Okay. Wow. Mm. What about you? Well, whilst um, traveling for uh, due diligence in South Africa a few years ago, um, indeed, we are often on the road and we were visiting a, a, a project and we've been actually carjacked by, uh, by three, um, three local uh, people. Um, so, yeah, all of a sudden you realize that the situation can uh, evolve very quickly mm. and that life uh, his fragile. I mean, hopefully nothing, um, nothing very, um, very strong. They, they they just took our luggage and what we had in the car and left. But they left. they had guns or weapons. Yeah, they, they threatened they you. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and they took your car. They they let the car. They took everything in the car and uh -huh. they let us with the car. Ah, okay. So yeah. it wasn't a nice car, I guess. No, it no. wasn't. <laughs> Okay. That's but one of the lessons learned from the due diligence. <laughs> okay, but if, but for this kind of a lifestyle, I mean, you travel a, a lot, you do the due diligence in these countries. Do you get a special kind of training, or how do you get? Do you how do you know how to act in those situations? We have, I mean, there's several mitigate mitigants that we use. So one thing we followed a what is called a heat training, hostile environment adaptation training, um, to 
yeah, prepare us and, and make us aware of situations and, and also train us how to live through and handle through situations. The other thing is very, if you say, mundane things like we, we always travel with a medical kit here from, from our people. Actually, the biggest risk in a lot of these countries is medical. You know, you can get malaria, you can get whatever, turista, as they call it, these kind of things. So you mm. try and address different risks with different mitigants and we try to be prepared for mm -hmm. yeah. like and, and the bank has created now this uh, mission security team in charge of, of securing uh, all the missions of all the EIB travelers around the world. Mm -hmm. So these are the ways that the bank uh, and you de-risk your missions but how what's de-risking in financial terms? I'm just going to stop you there and give you the golf clap for a nice nice transition. Well done, Thank well you. done, very good. Now, de-risking, yeah. De-risking. Um, I think we first should um, look at what risks would we like to address. Um, they're political risks, they're financial risks. Um, risks can also be borne by and potentially want to be borne by different investors. So when we talk about de-risking, we are using different instruments to address these different risks. Um, when we look, for instance, at financial risks, um, a lot for a lot of private investors, and these are the ones we want to attract into our projects, the, the level of risks in, in our projects compared to the return that can be generated um, is not bearable for them. There then the public sector, public institutions, public development banks like EIB come into play who are willing and able to bear financial risks Mm -hmm. provide a, a risk cushion, if you will. Um, if, if you will, the, the risk eats first into the portion of EIB before it gets to a financial investor, for instance, um, to try and mitigate financial risks, risk of losing money in these projects. If you come to political risks, we, we're looking, for instance, we're active in renewable energy. Um, we're trying to, to look at um, how the country is setting a framework in, in providing an enabling environment. Is there a legislation in place to allow renewable energy projects, small renewable energy projects to be rolled out? Um, private um, renewable energy um, operators to be um, acting on the market. So this is on the political side to, to try and look at the environment in countries. But now, for before the public entity gets involved in a project, do we uh, do we ask the project to prove to us that they were not able to get financing from private sources? Do they do we do we want them to show to us that they tried, and yes, that the private banks, the private financiers, they um, they found the risks to be too high and they weren't able to get the project off the ground without someone like a, uh, like the EIB getting involved. Yeah, I think the, the role of the EIB is not to crowd out private investors, but to, to crowd in private investors. Hence, the role of such a public entity is Indeed, first of all, to assess um, the, the project, assess all the risk of the project. And very often in the, in the countries or the areas that we are considering, unfortunately, the projects are, are perceived as very risky for private investors. And there is a real lack of private investors. And if we change really the picture, um, that, that's why addressing um, this um, mobilization of private investors is key 
key because it's only with private capital that will be will be able to bring in all the trillions that are needed to address, for instance, climate change in emerging countries or address all the infrastructure needs. Hence, this this risking um, element, which basically is to how how to to find innovative way to attract this private capital by there is this famous word blending, so mixing some some type of financial instrument to lower and reduce the risk of private investors. And getting those private investors in is the the term that we're looking at there is catalyzing. That's that's the term. So what does that really mean? I mean, it, lots of our listeners will probably know what that means from chemistry lessons when they're in school. You have a catalyst, you put it into some other substance, and it causes a reaction. Mm-hmm. But is that how it works in finance? To a certain extent, with us as well. Catalyst, as you say, triggers a reaction or makes a reaction quicker to happen no? mm-hmm. in, in, in chemistry. Um, f- things in financial instruments that we try to set up here at the EIB try to do something similar. We try to trigger and we try to attract private capital into the segments, into the sectors, into the geographies where we're active. We try to be catalytic accelerate this by attracting more of this capital in there. And we have different tools that we use for that. Layered fund structures, again, we allude a little bit to different layers of capital where EIB can take a different risk and return profile than a private investor can. So that would be like a first <coughs> loss piece. Or? For instance, okay. exactly. Where usually the, the, the fund structures we're using typically have three um, uh, um, yeah, layers of capital, if you will. The um, direct public uh, sector takes the initial first loss piece. EIB, other public development banks take a middle piece. And then the private sector takes the senior, the most de-risked piece, if you will. Exactly. But these are structures to try and be catalytic, attract capital, and de-risk it for the private sector. Let's let's take the example <coughs> of, of GRF. Um, Tell us how that's structured. How does that work in terms of where are the different kinds of money coming from there? The GRF is a good example indeed of catalyzer, if you want. Thanks to um, the public money brought by the European Commission, Norway and Germany, um, we've been able to attract at GRF level um, private investors. So for, for 100 million euro of public investors, we've attracted 100 million euro of private um, capital and private capital coming from all over the, the the world. We have Australian pension fund, we have Canadian asset manager, we have U.S. Uh, family offices. So typical investors that would not commit directly into small renewable energy project in Africa. And so that's the first layer. Um, and then, thanks to that, that money, we invest into local fund managers. We help them to um, raise additional money. We are putting very often that we are the first, the encore investors. And thanks to, to, to us, they are bringing in other investors. It's very often other uh, what we call DFI, Development Finance Institutions, but it might also be private investors. And then when they've reached uh, a, a sustainable for instance, 60 to 100, up to 200 million 
in Africa, Asia, or Latin America, themselves, in turn, they invest into renewable energy projects such as solar plants, wind farms, and at the project level, you also have a third layer of catalyzer, if you want, because thanks to the money, the development money put by the local fund managers um, at the project level, there is also additional capital coming from other co-investors as well as from local banks um, to finance this project. So you have these third three layers of, uh, of mobilizing. Well, Gunther, you mentioned the layered funds. So the, let's say the layers here in GRF, you know, you have the money uh, from the European Commission, from Norway and Germany, then you have some EIB money. Right? EIB is invested as well, but not in a separate layer. And then, and then on top of that, let's say you have the Australian pension fund, the Canadian asset manager and so on. So the, the first loss that Alain mentioned comes from that commission and German and Norwegian government money. I can see how that's a really good deal for the private investors that you crowd in. Yes. But w why does the European Commission or Norway or Germany yeah. want to give that money just so they can lose it? It's a very good question. Um, first of all, I'd, I'd like still to come back, as Aglaé mentioned, the, the private investors, for them it was crucial to have this, this layer. The pension funds, they did a due diligence and evaluation of us, and they said, without a risk protection on the downside, they would not have invested. They liked the, the strategy, but because of the risks are so high, they wanted to have this protection. Without it, it would have not flown in this mm. context. Now, what's in it for the public sector, as you say? Um, the public sector would like to mobilize capital for the strategy of GREF, um, small renewables, climate change mitigation in developing countries, having an impact on the social side, but having an impact also on the climate mitigation side. As Agle mentioned, we need the, the public capital around is not sufficient to address this challenge worldwide. We cannot mobilize enough capital only with the public side. So the public capital is happy to give some of the upside, some of the return from this from these investments to the private guys and take some of the risks. So they are happy by doubling, like in the GRF case, the capital that is going into the strategy, having this impact. They are, they're looking for this impact on the climate, social side, and protecting the, the capital of the public investor, but uh -huh. not looking for a big financial return. I see. And I assume <coughs> that you know we, we are talking about this first loss piece, but in some of these cases, there is no loss, right? In some of these cases, the investments to pan out and the and the financiers actually get their money back and they can reinvest it in those regions again. So that's another um, uh, incentive for, for the commission and these countries to, to use that kind of structure as opposed to just giving out money in grants, yes. right? Yes, recycling it. And, and I mean, we are on the GRIF side, we did a modeling on this and the purpose is there will be a, an attractive return for the private investors and there will be capital preservation with inflation protection for the public investors in order to allow them to recycle, reinvest it. In the and, and you're right. I mean, there will be a long-term impact only if the project is sustainable from a financial standpoint. Um, the two are related. And to, to, to come back to your question, Matthew, and, and, and I think that impact is a key uh, point for these public investors, hence the, the, the need to properly report and measure on impact to show and provide tangibility to, um, to the impact and the value added created 
thanks to the, the money uh, invested right. in. Now, you mentioned uh, local fund managers and local banks being also involved. Uh, in these structures, do we care about whether the, the private capital that goes into the projects together with ours, is it local or is it international or do we just care that the projects get financed and the finance and the private capital is there or do we do we want to see you know projects in africa financed by african private capital is that an is that an aspect that we also look at no i i think clearly that the ideal i mean ultimately our role would be to to disappear and that and that project would be financed locally by local investors. Uh, but that's not the reality today. There is a need to, to, to get this kind of de-risking investment thanks to, to this kind of first loss. Uh, but we, so indeed, we uh, when, when we invest in, in, um, in a fund, in a first-time team, we'll always look at the uh, co-investors, welcome a lot the local co-investors. In our annual impact reporting, we, um, we look at the, um, the type of, of co-investors Investors that we have beat um, because the easy, um, the easier um, investors are clearly our, our colleagues, the other DFIs, and so on. Um, it's more challenging to get private investors and even more challenging to get local private investors, such as local pension funds. But depending upon the maturity of the market, the track record that progressively we are able to demonstrate. Um, this type of mm. investor are coming in. And we see also in this element, catalytic again, we see this working at the GIRA level actually already. Investors who initially invested into GREF wanting to have this risk protection, now, since they have been for four or five years now in GREF, gradually invest, start investing directly into funds or into projects in Africa, in Asia, wherever we are active. So we see this. We, as Agla said, we are becoming redundant to a certain extent and they are taking over. So, you know, this is our role as well in, in leading them. Can you measure that? Can, you know, your business guys, you presumably measure everything. Can you measure the catalytic? effect is there a number you can put on it yes um, so we are looking at um, the mobilization on the ground for the capital that one euro invested into GREF how much is invested in a project on the ground now as Aglae described we have different layers within GREF we invest in funds who then invest in projects and there are different sources equity at these layers and debt coming into that we are lucky with this um, layered structure that we have we get to a very high multiplier of around 40 times so one euro invested into GREF mobilizes on the ground 40 euros into projects hmm. so we are measuring this over the different layers where are this where's this capital coming we from? report on that on that ratio on a yearly basis and we liaise with the uh, OECD to share all uh, all our information hmm. what's the OECD so OECD stands for Organization for Economic and Cooperation Development, a club of rich nations, as the economists called it. Now, you mentioned uh, we've talked about catalyzing finance and mobilizing finance. Another verb that uh, gets used very often is, is signaling and the signaling effect. What is the signaling effect of, of an investment by, by someone like the EIB? Someone like, like the EIB? When we go into a field, we think we know the sector, we know the geography, and we have experience in these. Um, EIB can provide a signal effect, signaling effect to other investors by doing a good evaluation, due diligence on the project, 
on the investment itself and show that this is a worthwhile investment and thereby attract other investors who to a certain extent rely on the reputation experience of EIB. So with that, we are signa signaling that a certain sector is attractive. Yeah, to, just to add to that, I think that one of the key uh, value of the EIB is the uh, all the um, environmental and social assessment that the bank is is carrying that ensure to to the promoters and to the other investors that the project will be following the uh, international and 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 the, uh, the, the the top standards basically, and that's clearly also part of the de-risking element. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is the part that we're talking about there, the, in GRAF's case, for example, the European Commission and Norway and Germany, is that what's called soft money? Yeah, in a sense, yes. Soft money will, it is this public money that has been used to attract uh, private capital. So, yeah, I think we can... Um, we can use soft money, although I have to say soft money and also first loss, especially the, the term first loss, bears a certain connotation already with it. You know, when we speak <laughs> to our investors, public or private, we don't use first loss because it, it sends a certain message of loss already. We say we, the preferred return. We take uh, inversely preferred, preferred return for, for private, private investors, investors. Oh, because okay. it sends already a different message. But you, yes, you should right. be writers. You should be in communication. <laughs> With, with that kind of skill. Fantastic. Well, maybe we should uh, probably end this by playing out with uh, Cat Stevens as the first cut is the deepest. Maybe you can call it the first cut. <laughs> what do you think? But I like the Sheryl Crow version. Maybe we'll use that. You're, you're the music guy. You can, you can yeah, read that. I'll, I'll look that. it up. I'll look it up. So, Agle Gunther, thank you so much for telling us about de-risking. You took the risk of coming on here, and I hope you feel it paid off. <laughs> Uh, to our um, listeners, you're taking a big risk if you don't subscribe. De-risk yourself and subscribe now on iTunes or Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, and please rate us and review us on iTunes well, and sure. the other, uh, other uh, platforms that you use. And uh, get in touch with us as well. I'm at EIBMATT, E-I-B-M-A-T-T, on Twitter. You can write to me and say, I'd like to hear more about de-risking or any of the other things that we've heard about today or anything else at all. Or if you've got a better memory for Twitter handles, you can get in touch with at Dollar Tankler, A-L-L-A-R-T-A-N-K-L-E-R. -L -L -E Do it. And uh, tune, in, uh, tune in again next week for a next episode of uh, Dictionary of Finance by the European Investment Bank. Which is going to be on IRR. If you don't know what that is, you better subscribe and listen. <laughs>